Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast, sharing stories of transformation after pregnancy and infant loss. I'm your host, Bailey DeMars. Speaking of transformations, this podcast is brought to you by perhaps the most transformative product that exists for your skin, Promycin, an acne treatment that actually works and fast. My cute husband has had acne since he was a teenager, and this summer he used Promycin, and for the first time ever, his back was clear. I'm not kidding. I saw a difference after one use, and five days later, the acne was gone. Promycin comes from the Cara Poloni skincare line, and I love and use all of her products, including micro needle powder cleanser, nano silver spray, healing facial serum, hydrating kiss mist spray, and their lip balm. My favorite part is that every ingredient is natural and supplied by the wholesaler Bulk Naturals. So get your skin transformation started at carapaloni.com or simply just Google Promyosin. Hi, Louisa. Welcome to the Butterfly Broadcast. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I am so happy to have you as my guest today. Not many people know, but we go way back, I think, to middle school, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not. <laughs> yep, middle school. And um, yeah, I have a really good memory of going to your quinceanera. <laughs> I'll just never forget how cool that was for me. So it's nice, you know, here we are many years later reconnecting and I'd love for the listeners to get to know Luis a little better, if you wouldn't mind sharing. Yeah, of course. Um, <clears throat> so let's see. Like like you said, we've known each other for a while. We go back. Um, but yeah, I was born in Colombia, raised in Utah. And I know you wanted us to share some interesting facts. So I've always wanted to own a farm, or at least recently. I love animals, and I love being outside, and I just love the idea of being self-sustainable. <laughs> That's awesome. And that's becoming like more and more popular these days. Yeah, definitely. A lot more people, like all my neighbors have chickens and a lot of them have like cows and horses and all sorts of things. It's honestly it's so smart with the way things are in the world right now. So, yeah. um, oh, okay. And let's see. So it's just me my husband and then of course our angel baby Genevieve and then Archer and then we have two cats Big Tuna and Stormy (laughs) I love it (laughs) and uh, how long have you and your husband been married we've been married five years going on to six years in September nice wow (laughs) crazy how time flies I know, right? So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit more about, you know, what life was like for you and your husband before Genevieve. Yeah, well, we had actually just moved into our new house. We live in Eagle Mountain. Um, so we were pretty excited. We were ready to start a family. Um, so we were trying and then we did end up getting pregnant and um, we were super excited, you know, getting ready, start doing all 
the search for birth courses and all that fun stuff and um we really just like jumped right into it you know we were doing meditations and practices and all that stuff. <laughs> um so yeah it was it was a good time we were we were really excited to have her um but really something always felt kind of weird to at the same time it just felt like I don't know it didn't feel real at the same time so maybe that's just something everybody feels or maybe it was just the feeling I had oh yeah it's true because you've never been a mom before and you know our minds try to protect ourselves but also we're so hopeful and yeah so um was the pregnancy healthy for the most part yeah everything was healthy actually she was growing perfectly um she um she was just doing great I mean all her ultrasounds were good. Um, we, her section, it was everything. She just was really good. Excited. I was planning to have a full birth and everything. And um, one night, I just um, just started bleeding, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, something's wrong!" And I did. I lost my mucus plug, but I didn't know I had lost it. I was just like, "Oh, I don't know." I mean, you don't really think about it. You're like, what is, I don't know, you know? And how many weeks were you? I was about 24 weeks. Okay. Yeah. And so um, I just, you just know something's wrong. Obviously, you're bleeding. They saw me and they're like, oh, no, your your baby's fine. Like, she's totally fine. Her ultrasound sounds perfect. Her heartbeat sounds perfect. I mean, that's not even that much blood. And I was like, uh, what? I was like, I, I don't feel like everything's fine. And they're like, she, her heart beats good. Like she's fine, and they're like, she's gonna be fine, okay. And so I was just like, okay. I mean, they didn't even do a cervical check. They just sent me home, yeah. and I just went home. Just so upset because I just felt like, honestly, I just felt like that was gonna be the last night with her. You know, I just. But yeah, the next morning we when we got up, I went to work and waited till my OBGYN's office opened and I called them and told them what happened. So they had me come in right away. Um and then my doctor came in and she like gave me a check and she just like got all serious and she's like she's like, Your service has opened. And she said, We're gonna send you down to see a pharmacist doctor to see if we can stitch, stitch you up and I just <laughs> the first thing out of my mouth my mouth was like is my baby going to be okay and she just said I don't, I don't know um so I just waited for the doctor to come and, and then, you know, the first thing he told me when he saw me was, oh, you know, you have an incompetent cervix. And that just, like, hit me like a bag of bricks, you know, because I was like, what does that mean? Like, like I'm never going to be able to have a baby. I'm never going to be able to carry a baby. Like, I don't know what that means. And what an awful word to use for someone. Yeah, that makes you feel like there's something wrong with you. Yeah. I'm just like, that's such 
ugly word, honestly. Like, oh. And so um, he just um, went on to explain that an incompetent cervix is basically when your cervix dilates early. Um, they don't know what causes it. They can't see it coming. Um, there's really nothing they can do to prevent it if they don't know you have a history of it. If they do, then they can stitch your cervix up at like 13 weeks or so. But if they don't and your baby comes and then they come like they might come any time after 13 weeks. And so they could make it or not make it basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Genevieve had a chance of surviving, um, but it was pretty low because she was pretty premature, you know. Um, but it just felt like, honestly, I wanted to go home after that. I just wanted to go home and just be at home and just kind of let it happen. But they wouldn't let me leave. They kept telling me I had to stay there and I had to stay there. And um, they told me that um, I had two choices. I could either have like a c-section that's like up and down instead of what is it so vertical instead of horizontal Hmm. no yeah vertical instead of horizontal which they said would cause issues in the future and I don't know what else or I could just let my baby come and see what happens but if she's born breached they wouldn't try to save her and yeah it just felt honestly like looking back it just felt like they were pushing me so hard just to get it over with in a way like just to kind of not try to save her they kept saying that it would be so hard on the baby that it would be so difficult that it would ruin my chances of being pregnant in the future that it would do this and that and it just was like so much for someone to take like when they don't know what's going on you know Mm -hmm. so I mean there's so much I regret that I wish I would have done differently had I known like what I know now but anyway so my my water broke and then my doctor kept pushing me to get pitocin because she said my contractions were just like too inconsistent they were just all over the place and so she's like if you get pitocin then the baby will come faster and and if you don't get it you you're gonna get an infection and your uterus is gonna you know, so, I mean, I get that they're just doing their job, but sometimes I felt like they were just trying to scare me into, like, you know, like, into just doing what they wanted, and so it was really, really frustrating, and I was so scared, so I finally agreed to the Pitocin, and Genevieve was born, she was breached, mm. and she, I mean, she wasn't alive when she was born, they were monitoring her the whole time, I think she died just a little bit before, um, most of the time she was alive, but when she was, was born, um, she wasn't. She was just really small. She was only about um, 12 inches long and a little bit over a pound. She's teeny tiny. Um, when we got to spend the night with her, which was really nice, um, we just stayed in a room with her next door. Um, it was nice, but difficult at the same time, just because, you know, you go to the hospital to have a 
a baby that's born alive, not dead. And you stay in a room with them crying and trying to learn how to nurse them and not not just with a lifeless body next to you. Um, so uh, yeah, the next morning they um I mean I felt like throughout the night they were accommodating but in the morning they kinda just told us, Hey, you need to find a funeral home to take her, figure something out because we can't keep her. Not that I wanted them to, but so we had to try to find something. Um the funeral home we found was just like in Sandy on State Street. Mm-hmm. It was really awesome. They did um pretty much everything for free. We only paid for a few stuff, but um yeah, they um they did a lot of the stuff for free and they, they buried her here near our home mm-hmm. in Eagle Mountain and we got to have a little funeral for her. Uh and we well first, you know, we'd visit her a lot. I mean slowly started doing stuff, just mostly visiting her grave. I had to eventually go back to work. Um, you know, that kind of fun stuff. But it definitely was not an easy process. And it's hard because, you know, you're trying to recover from a delivery and you probably feel, you know, physically terrible <laughs> and <laughs> the worst emotional state you've ever been in but you don't get you know 12 week maternity leave (laughs) yeah oh yeah that was super fun my milk came in my milk came in and it just felt like oh my gosh it was one of the worst parts because you feel like I'm like there's no baby here to nurse and so um I just got engorged it hurts so bad so extremely bad but I was in this like internal struggle that I couldn't wait for my mouth to dry up but I also didn't want it to because it felt like a piece of me like like of that experience of Genevieve of all of it would be gone you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know did you have any kind of support during this from any organizations or just mostly family you know I know that there was support out there. Um, the hospital gave me like a list of organizations and my family tried a lot to support me as much as they could. Um, but the truth was, I just kind of wanted to be alone. I think everybody handles grief differently. Um, some people need a lot of people around them. And for me, I just felt like I couldn't function with everybody else around me and I just wanted to be alone with my thoughts you know um at first like I was actually really mad at Heavenly Father I just didn't want anything to do with him I was just like why did you do this um it took me some time but eventually ended up turning to him and praying and that ended up being my source of comfort you know prayer scripture and when I finally did that, I started to feel Genevieve, you know, I started to feel her love and I started to feel better slowly. <laughs> um, I started to feel like I could, you know, 
I mean, it took like three months, but I started to feel like if I felt a little bit of happiness, it was okay. But it was hard because, you know, sometimes if you did feel something, you feel like I'm not supposed to feel this. I'm supposed to be sad. Mm -hmm. This is not okay. (laughs) You know, I think another thing was I didn't want to replace her, but part of me also wanted to have another baby because you kind of feel like this absence, you know, it's like this part of you missing and you're like, I need that again. Like, this isn't right. It wasn't supposed to like end so quickly, you know? So we did end up getting pregnant about three months after. Um, but that was like another roller coaster because then you're scared. You're like, what's going to happen? Is my baby going to survive? Should I probably not invest myself so much into this because what if they don't survive? And, you know, and so once, you know, once I passed like first the 13 weeks and I had my surgery where they stitch you up, then, then I felt like once I get past 26 weeks, which I think is like, um, if your baby's born at 26 weeks, their chances of surviving go like way up. Mm. I think like, I don't know, 40% or more. Once we were past that phase, I was like, okay, I'm ready to throw myself into this again. And um, I was still visiting Genevieve a lot, but the closer I got to my birth, um, the the less I would go. And it would make me feel guilty, but I felt like, well, maybe I'm healing. Maybe I don't feel like I have to be there all the time, you know? Um, and um, I was just able to finally let this new baby in and and as a mom I mean some maybe some moms don't but I feel like most moms when they're pregnant they just have a relationship with their baby you know it doesn't matter that they're not physically out in the world like you can like feel this bond with them and you can feel just this wonderful connection with them and I had been blocking them much and I was afraid once I started to feel it you know, I, I think that was very ready and I I was able to have a wonderful birth with Archer. We got a midwife, we got to do a home birth and it was a completely different experience in so many ways. And it just felt right. I felt like it was what where God was leading me and I just it was just yeah, it was great. <laughs> and so how old is Archer now? He is 15 months now. Wow. Do you guys have any anything special you do to remember Genevieve? Like any celebrations or mementos or anything? Yeah. So we actually buried a tree in our backyard for her. Um, and then we do have the hospital did make us these little molds of her hands and feet, which are really cute. Um, and I made some scrapbooks of pictures of her and different things about her, her cert- like her birth certificate and death certificate and all that different stuff, like just everything that has to do with her. And like on her birthday, we've made her like, um, you know, just little cakes out of like paper or whatever, you know, mm. and cardboard and we'll take it over to her and visit her and read her books and now that we have Archer, obviously, we will take him with us. 
whenever we visit her and we read books with him. And I think that's really sweet that he's going to grow up like knowing who Genevieve is. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I feel like she is a part of our family. And that's another thing. I feel like people really do not, like, I don't know, like when I first lost her and people would ask me if I have children and they like, my sister was there, like they, and she sometimes would answer for me and be like, no. And I'm like, yes, I do actually. And then they get so awkward when you say yes. And when you say they passed, but I just feel like that's something that should really be, I don't know, um, just be more acceptable because, because these children are a part of our lives and they should be remembered. And if we want to say, yes, they're a part of our, like our number count or whatever you want to do or say, or like, it should just be more accepted, you know? It shouldn't be, like, some taboo or weird thing that people just get so uncomfortable with. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you connected and bonded with her for 24 weeks. And yeah, <laughs> and it, it's just like any other child. If, if another child were to die at any other age, you would still include them in your family. And yeah. I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> That's why I love that you are talking more about it. I've seen like your stuff and I'm like, oh, I'm so happy that this is like what Bailey has chosen to like really bring to light because there's so many women who are going through this. I mean, shortly after I had made a friend who currently went through miscarriage and she just kept turning to me and I felt for her. It's just, it's just such a hard situation, you know? Yeah. I, I mean... It's such a blessing she knew she could come to you and that, you know, you were open enough for her to know about it. But, you know, if people don't talk about it, they don't know who they can go to. And and I just think we'd all be so surprised. Like, I didn't know that about you. And so like, I'm so grateful that you were willing to open up and share with me and with others because, you know, like we need to lean on each other because, you know, we, we have so many similar human experiences and and this just isn't something that needs to be silenced because there's nothing to be ashamed of it wasn't your fault and you know people don't have to feel uncomfortable about it we can change that right yes definitely yeah no for sure I mean I don't usually share too much or open too much but I feel like this is a subject where um where I feel like it should be shared just because there's others going through the same thing and and it'd be good to have more support around you if you are. Yeah. And it and it can still be like so sacred and special to you. Um but, you know, Genevieve is your daughter and I just love that people can, you know, get to know her because you're keeping her story told. And yeah. when your friend or, or anyone comes to you asking for advice, what's what's something you like to tell somebody in this position? What I would share with them is sympathy. Um, I'd say moms that are going through a miscarriage or infant loss, 
I mean, there's honestly nothing in the world you can say or do to make it feel better, to make it, you know, all that pain go away. There's nothing, nothing anyone can do. Um, But I think that you just have to feel that grief. You have to feel that because um, it's, you know, it's because you loved so much, you know, and that's okay. You know, that just shows that you love that child so much and you just have to feel it in order to get past it. You can't just jump over it or it'll just, I don't know, it'll just come back somehow, you know. Um, but um, I would say, I mean, I feel your pain and and I would say just to feel it fully and and turn to Heavenly Father, I mean, turn to Jesus Christ, because I don't think that there's anyone else that could make you whole again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful words of wisdom, because like you said, the sympathy is a big deal, and it goes a really long way, because so many people just don't want, you know, they just kind of change the topic, or or know that it's happened to you so they kind of don't really talk to you or and and so that sympathy isn't small because you know people just need to be seen and heard and feel mm-hmm. like validated and so yeah and, and like you said it took you a minute your like spiritual journey to circle back because you had mm-hmm. all these feelings of resentment and yeah and confusion and anger and so you know reminding someone of that and that maybe they don't have to take as long to get back to Heavenly Father could be really helpful yeah yeah (laughs) well I'm so sorry that you had to experience such a tragedy the worst thing that you'll probably ever go through as a woman but um, I can just see that you've, you know, really grown from this experience. And like you said, you've learned so much that you would tell yourself if you could, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there any last, like, words you want to say about your experience in ways you've changed or anything? Um, Just right before I I got pregnant or a few months before I had this dream that at the moment really didn't mean anything to me, but it felt so real. Um, I, I just remember in my dream, I was with my husband and we were so devastated. Like something had happened. I don't know what, we were just really sad. We were crying. And I remember I had turned to him and I just said, we just have to turn to God. Like, you know, as long as we are near God, things are going to be okay. Everything will be okay. And I remember seeing this white butterfly come and land on me. And I just felt this immense love. Like, and I just felt so much peace. And in that moment, when I woke up, I, I told my husband about it, but I was like, I mean, I always have dreams. So I'm like, whatever, it probably means nothing, you know, but I always kept it in my heart because it just felt special anyway. And and when I lost Genevieve, I thought back to that dream because in that moment, I just knew that was her. I knew that was her spirit. And I think it says something that 
you remember the dream because like how many times do we have crazy dreams and we even tell our spouse and then we don't remember it later so <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> she's your little white butterfly <laughs> yeah we we put white butterflies on her gravestone like all over it because of that dream <laughs> that is so sweet and so special and it seems like father did prepare you in some way yeah well lisa i just feel so much more connected to you and i wish this wasn't a topic that we would have to connect over you know 10 years after we've graduated (laughs) but but i'm so grateful that we can you know bond over it and for your willingness to open your heart and you know it's not easy so i I sincerely appreciate your your sensitivity and your vulnerability to share about your precious topic. Oh yeah, thank you, Bailey. Thank you for having me and letting me share and listening. And thank you for you know bringing more awareness to to this. Well, I'm glad people like you think it's important because I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really excited for listeners to get to know your story, and you and I will stay in touch, okay? All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Bailey. Thanks, Lisa. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye.